Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you all. Coming at you with another episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast with a little bit of some news headlines, and then we're going to be answering some questions. So got to get your questions in there. We're already seeing some come our way. The email, call text, live chat, all that good stuff. We'll, we'll tell you how to submit those in just a second. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined as always by my guy, John. John, uh, long time no see, buddy. How you doing? Very long time. It's, it feels like hours, <laughs> maybe even minutes. I don't know. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, and we're also joined by the architect behind that great new video intro and outro that we have for the show there, Jason Garrison, co-host of the Three and Out podcast, another show of theirs coming out this weekend for you. Jason, what's good, my man? Architect, thanks. No, I'm uh, I'm good, man. How are you guys? Good. It's Friday. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I exactly. was um, in the middle of doing a lot of different work things. I'm actually putting together a bike rack for my garage and my kids equipment so uh that thing's fighting me and i'm uh, i'm having a hard time with it so this was a nice nice little respite here to talk about some some bangles talk about some headlines we're going to breeze through a couple of major headlines that we'll um we'll, we'll talk about and then we'll get to some listener questions some of these headlines might actually beg some questions that we'll we'll be discussing anyway uh to get get those questions in 949-542-6241 call or text um, and then, of course, live chats on YouTube, Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, on Twitter. You can also email us, theobinsider at gmail.com, and we will get to as many as possible super chats. Not only will those super chats be donated to JDRF on behalf of Orlando Brown's uh, charitable endeavor that he's got going with them, but those will get priority if you do a YouTube super chat, um, and that donation will be shot over there for that. Um, all right. Well, Let's let's kind of start with uh, this thing, and I, I wanted to start here because we, uh, as if we haven't talked about this topic enough uh, this off season, but a little bit of Joe Mixon, and I bring this up because Zach Taylor recently brought up his uh, future, and bless you to whoever that is in the background there. Um, <laughs> there's uh, Joe. He comments on Joe Mixon's status, obviously talking about how he likes. Uh, Joe Mixon and figures him being in the plans long term with the Cincinnati Bengals but also this kind of comes on the heels of some interesting I don't know developments or situations with uh, Dalvin Cook and the Minnesota Vikings obviously a very talented guy a lot of similarities between he and Mixon you know versatile guys productive guys but uh, well-paid guys at a position that is not at a premium here, and I know, Jason, you wrote something on Cincy Jungle about the devaluation of running back here. But here's the quote. Uh, I think we've got a great relationship with Joe. Taylor said Tuesday, I've appreciated how he's come to the building every single day and just worked hard. That's a big reason why we gave him the contract we gave him and his presence with the team. He's a guy I enjoy being around, and we're counting on him. And then, of course, the uh, following the draft, and the Bengals didn't draft a running back until the fifth round. His, meaning Mixon's future, is here with the team. I like Joe Mixon was the quote from Zach Taylor. So do you see, despite all this, the coach speak and everything here, and obviously Zach Taylor's a very positive guy. 
um, has great relationships with all of his players here. But, um, I mean, is this based on the Dalvin Cook thing? Do you see anything else coming of this, John? Or is this one of those dominoes that falls potentially with the Burrow contract, the Higgins contract, et cetera? And then that's maybe where something gets reworked with Joe Mixon. It's definitely a vehicle to create cap space to because now it's June 2nd and NFL rules, salary cap rules state that like essentially at this point, if you were to, if you were to release Joe Mixon, um, like that dead money beyond just this year, like you can just eat, like eat that now essentially. And it's, it creates more creates more cap space in the immediate future if you're to wait up until this point, if you have a contract that has more than two years under it. So if they were to release Joe Mixon and then re-sign for cheap, they would save ultimately more cap space than if they were to do that beforehand. But that's only, I think, if they just decide that, or it comes down to if they pay Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, whatever contracts that they get, and then additional cap space is needed to fit both of those extensions on the books this year because you're going to have just cash up front that's going to be prorated into a signing bonus and it's going to increase the cap hits for whatever this year is. That's the only, I think, logical way or that's the only realistic way that joe mixon gets a pay cut i think if, if obviously if they don't need to do that then they probably won't and then they'll just reevaluate the situation th- this time next year but it, it does seem like it's the easiest way to just simply just create cap space without being a trade partner for joe williams or anything like that yeah jason i i mean i want to get your thoughts too because you wrote up that article like i mentioned on cincy jungle i mean uh, in agreement with John there, do you see something else playing out? What, what are you, what are you thinking? I don't know. I mean, I think that if they were going to replace Joe Mixon, they would have made a play in the door. They would have done it in the draft or they would have signed somebody or something like that. Or they would have, I, I don't think the P Ryan leaving was a money thing. I think it was, he wants to be, you know, more playing role. time or more responsibilities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, I, I just, I mean, maybe they release them and they resign them for less money. But I think that they're in a holding pattern until they figure something out with with uh, with Burrow's contract. I think that some dominoes will fall after Burrow. But I think I don't know how high he is on the list of priorities. I think Burrow's number one and number two and number three, and then maybe you know Higgins <laughs> is there. You got DJ Reader, who's going to be a free agent after this year, and he's been you know a linchpin of the defensive line. So. I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they release them and resign them for, for, for less, but it wouldn't surprise me either if they just paid them the way they're paying him right now and roll into the season with him as the, as the, as the guy, you know, I don't know if Dalvin cook being released really changes anything for the Bengals. Yeah. No, that, I mean, he, he's here to stay essentially like at this yeah. point, the, like the yeah. off season played out the way that it was. And now it's just about, do you pay him that if, if you need the space, then you can create it. And I think that's a good enough relationship for that, but he's definitely staying here for the season for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think this, you, you've noticed the Zeke Elliott talk has quieted down a bunch and all kinds of different yeah. things. So yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys. Uh, a couple of things. I'm just going to kind of rattle these off in a row because they're all centering around one player, our guy, Mr. Orlando Brown jr. Um, we talked some Tyler Boyd last night, did John and I, uh, Tyler Boyd was thrilled to poach Orlando Brown from the chiefs kind of saying we one up you all. Like that one. Here's here's the quote. I loved it because you know we have a nice little rivalry with the Chiefs. Not little, but um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I think that right right here. Yeah, uh, I loved it because you know we have a nice little rivalry with the Chiefs. Good lord, this thing keeps reloading. Awful. Uh, we have a nice little rivalry with the Chiefs, and just seeing him come over, it's like we one upped you all. Boyd exclaimed to reporters at the end of the day. Continued quote: He's a great player, no matter where he would have went. He's probably one of the best at his position. Just adding him to what we got already, it's going to allow Joe, meaning Burrow, to have more time, and it's going to give us the will to put up those points. So I'm just happy to have him. So there's that. And then uh, there is, on the flip side, the guy he used to protect was is coming out and saying, man, bum deal about Orlando Brown. Um, and I'll share this one too. It, it laments, good word here, uh, to to – describe Patrick Mahomes feelings on Orlando Brown, but it, it's what, what interests me guys about this quote from Patrick Mahomes losing Orlando Brown was more about, well, I mean, they, they drafted Wanya Morris in the third round um, to be a, a tackle. And then of course they got Juwan Taylor um, and Juwan Taylor was set to be a left tackle. Now I think they're moving him back to the right, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, that, that's kind of the plan there, but you can see here. Yeah. It's tough as the quote from Patrick Mahomes on losing Orlando Brown jr. 
I still talk to Orlando. We had a friendship off the field just as much on the field. You understand how great of a player he is. He makes Cincinnati an even better football team, so that stinks for us. But at the same time, I'm happy for him that he got a, a good place to go where he was able to get a good contract he deserved and everything like that. We still have that friendship, but he's a competitor like me, so we're going to be wanting to be able to brag about who wins that football game. Kind of classy, uh, classy quote from Mahomes here, but again – you know, that coupled with Boyd's comments and uh, another article here, um, the Bengals, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. was to have the Bengals' most dangerous addition in the offseason. So some hype for this guy. Uh, I I don't know really where to take a question or comments on this, but, I mean, I think we're all pretty excited that Orlando Brown Jr. is with the Cincinnati Bengals, and I, I think it's, it's obviously a, a pretty big upgrade to – just the offensive line in general, not a knock on Jonah per se, but I mean, this was a move that the Bengals felt they needed to make based on the contract that they offered Brown and what he was willing to accept as well as the role he was willing to take with the Bengals. It really was just like the opportunity was just there and they just took advantage of it. And like, I mean, we talked about this, like it's not binary. Like the Bengals don't hate Jonah Williams enough to go out and get Orlando Brown or Orlando Brown said, Hey, I want to play for the Bengals. Can we get a deal done? Absolutely. You're you're better than the left tackle that we have, even if we still value that player for who he is. And now they have a situation to deal with at right tackle. And it's a good problem to have. But I, th- I think Jason, like Orlando Brown is so much closer to the caliber that Andrew Whitworth was a few years ago that I, I do think like there could be some type of just a boost in general with with the overall offensive line. Like it's, it's a decent unit right now, but adding that caliber player left tackle I think it it speaks volumes to the front office's willingness to improve but also it's like hey we got a guy here he wants to be here I think there is some type of intangible non-quantifiable boost that that gives to the overall offense maybe the offensive line like the confidence that like this guy wants to be here and he's going to make us that much better yeah heading into the offseason I mean the often the left tackle position wasn't really on on at least my radar about about you know I figured Jonah's going to play his fifth year contract and then maybe we'll upgrade after 2023 and I thought you know right tackle is going to be the position because Leo Collins is going to be coming back from injury like what are they going to do are they going to draft a right tackle uh and then they went out and they got Orlando Brown who I think is the best left tackle on the team since since Whitworth this is going to be the best offensive line they've had that Joe Burrow's ever had, and at least in the NFL, and uh, the best offensive line the Bengals have had since like the 15, 16 seasons. Um, but uh, but yeah, and it's a good problem to have. Like like John said, it's a good problem to have at right tackle. Is you have you know who's going to play? Is it going to be Jonah? Is it going to be is Leo Collins going to be healthy and come back and grab that spot? Is Jackson Carmen's competing? I mean, you have you have a lot of guys there, and you know you have a good problem of having to choose who's going to be the starter, but. I think that it shows the ownerships and the front offices um, dedication to, to winning right now that we're going to go out and get the best player available for a position that we don't even, it wasn't a huge need, but it's going to be an upgrade, a big upgrade. So it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Well, we're going to move on here to Joe Burrow contract. Uh, Duke Tobin was recently on the Pat McAfee show. Um, the quotes there were, quote, Joe Burrow will be paid well and he's earned it. He's great to work with and we know we'll get a deal worked out. So, again, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I still go back to when <laughs> when the Bengals drafted him and how people were telling him, don't come to Cincinnati, hold out and uh, demand a trade. And, oh, Cincinnati will, will botch him, and, and they won't be able to sign him to another deal. And here we are, the, their de facto GM, Duke Tobin, coming on you know a major program saying, we're getting this done, uh, and, he's, and we're going to pay him top dollar. I mean, it's kind of like, let's just keep shattering all these preconceived notions that were created and people are still clinging to from, like, 1998. Um, but aside from that, there was an interesting – I think it was from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Uh, who presented the the topic of could his because again of Cincinnati and you know uh, money situations and all kinds of different things? But here's the uh, here's an article on Cincy Jungle about it, and this is a question, and this is kind of going to segue, I think, into grabbing more of the questions that we're receiving from from listeners here. But uh, this this article here proposes that could could Joe Burrow's contract extension be a percentage of the salary cap and how? 
the inner workings would uh, would be there. Um, and again, it is from Mike Florio, quote, one of these guys is going to get a deal that pays him the percentage of the salary cap. And that's fair. That's the way to do it. We talk about leaving enough money aside for the rest of the team. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Joe Burrow. And if any owner is going to do it, it's going to be Mike Brown. I still feel like this is kind of like a backhanded complimented. I, I, yeah, I, I still look at this and I'm like, that's not really, you know, it, it's under the guise of innovation and innovative thinking and all this kind of stuff. And then it's like, it's, you know, it's like, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Mike Brown. It's, it comes off just anyway. Um, he's been that contrarian that does things the league doesn't want him to do. Well, there you go right there. Not so much, uh, veiled. Um, and then of course I, it is an interesting concept though. Um, and I guess it, it provides salary cap flexibility for a team like the Bengals. If you were to build something like this, um, it's a creative idea and it is, it, it would provide some flexibility potentially as you work on deals for T Higgins, Logan Wilson, Jamar Chase down the road. Yeah, I mean, if if they were to to do this where they said, you know, every year the salary cap goes up, so every year your cut of the pie is going to get a little bit larger. If they were to do it that right. way, I, I'd be excited about it. I'm not expecting it. I'm expecting Joe Burrow to sign a typical, you know, like something, you know, whatever higher than Jalen Hurts and and higher than, than Lamar Jackson and just sign a typical, you know, four- or five-year deal that's going to make him the highest-paid player in the NFL uh, for now. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, I, if they said that we're going to sign them to 20%, 22%, whatever the, of the salary cap, I'd be totally for it. It'd, it'd make things easier for them to keep a team around him, but I'm just not expecting it. Yeah. It's, it's the, the whole thing is extremely teamly and that that's why it's under, it's under like the, Oh, like, yeah. Like Mike Brown would want to do that because of course he would like, there's a reason why no one does this. There's a real reason why no quarterbacks have, or any player has ever agreed to a deal of the percentage of the cap because yes it's assumed that the cap goes up that's not always the case as we saw in 2020 2021 obviously there was a pandemic but you don't know how much the cap is going to go up every single year there are projections that i think over the cap does and things like that but whenever there's added you know there's a variable in there that you can't predict and you can't expect you can't know for sure that just leaves more to be desired at the negotiating table for the player who's signing it and that, that, I mean, that's why Jason said, like, that's why people just reset the market every single time, because this is a known quantity that you know is going to be like, you know what your salary is going to be years down the road. And you know that eventually at some point you can be able to renegotiate that if the salary cap does reflect that. OK, now you're being underpaid compared to what the percentage of the cap is and what the rest of the market is. So th there's a reason why no player has really done that. And it's because it's completely for the team's benefit. I mean, there are there is language you could put in a contract potentially if you're going to do the percentage of the salary cap thing, where it would make it not necessarily a truly static number every year, but I mean, it would it would kind of at least give you a decent idea, I, I guess, if or or a percentage wherein you can kind of massage and manage that every year. I I agree though, it is it is maybe a bit too fluid, and and quite honestly, I don't um, and I don't want this to come off as you know, a, a veiled insult or anything like that. I, I actually, I actually disagree with Florio about Mike Brown being that guy to do it. I actually feel like he would not be the first guy to do it. He would probably want to see another owner potentially do it and structure it a certain way, see how it works out. And then Mike Brown and, and, you know, Katie Blackburn and, and the rest of the, the gang there would probably say, okay, this is how it has worked for this player. How can we structure it where it's beneficial to us then and, and move forward that way? So, I mean, I think it's a creative idea. I think there probably will be someone that, um, you know, and it may be one of the quote unquote smaller market teams or whatever that has to do this to lure maybe a, a big player to them. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't see the Bengals maybe being the, 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 champions or front runners and i don't mean that insulting i just i think they would probably prefer just from what i've seen and experienced in my time covering them watching them and seeing how they operate i think they would be a little bit more comfortable hanging back and, and watching another team do it first see how it works out and if it's something that they feel is palatable then they would kind of put their own spin on it their own tweak on it that's just my my two cents in, in being around this team and seeing how they operate as long as i have 
you know, and and then it's just it's it's like he said, like if there's one other and it's going to do it, it's going to be Mike Brown. Almost saying, insinuating, well, the Bengals are cheap and Mike Brown's cheap, but like I'm, that's really not the case. That maybe used to be the case. Well, it wasn't maybe it was, but uh, it's, it's not really the case anymore. They've gone out and they've gotten big name free agents every year for the last few years. I mean, they're contenders now and they know it and they're acting like they're contenders. And they went out and they signed. DJ Reader, they went out and they, you know, they re-signed Jermaine Pratt. They've drafted well. They've they signed Awuzie. They got Hilton. Uh, you know, and they've done a good job. So, at, what, spending money at important positions, cornerback, defensive line, you know, and then not spending the money on positions that they don't value as much, like tight end. Um, so, I don't see it as as like, uh, well, Mike Brown will do it because he's cheap. I I don't think that they are cheap. I think that they're just maybe smart. Question for both of you because. Okay. There is a, a clear desire, I think, from a good part of the fan base that Burroughs signs a, a long deal, like a deal that's at least seven, eight, nine, even ten years that what Patrick Holmes signed. And the reason why we don't see that that often is because a player doesn't want to get locked into a deal that long, so long that he can't renegotiate, he can't re-up in, in time before the market resets in time. So what if... Burrow to sign, let's say a seven-year deal. So he would be under contract for the next eight years because he's got the fifth-year option. But the Bengals would offer him anywhere in the range between like 60 and 65 million per year, which is way above what the market rate is. But that might be the only way to entice Burrow to take a deal that large, considering like, okay, you're going to be under contract for a long time, but it's going to take a while for the rest of the market to catch up to what this rate is. Would you guys be down a deal like that? I would be just because I want them. I, I, I want to be able to sleep at night knowing that my Joe Burrow jersey is going to be used for a long time. I mean, I don't think he's going anywhere. It doesn't matter. They're going to re-sign him. He's worth whatever he asks for. But if they pay him $65 million a year for the next seven years, and it's such a huge leap, the, con- the quarterback contracts are going to get there eventually. It doesn't matter. you know. So if he signs a four-year deal and then signs – a ridiculously high deal four years later. It's probably saving them money in the long run to do it that way, but I'd be totally down for it. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to get what uh, – <laughs> they're, they're going to give him a lot of money, and they're going to give him – I mean, I don't want to just say they're going to give him what he wants because I don't know if that's the full, full truth or the full picture, but, I mean, more or less he's going to get what he wants, and they're going to – and then maybe then some. Um, and so I say that in saying – I'm fine with it because if that's what it takes, that's what it takes, right? And and this is a generational – he has proven in just a short period of time that he is a generational talent at quarterback. So you have to hang on to a player like that. And if it costs that much, if it takes that long of a contract, whatever it takes, you do it. Again, though, we go back to – now we're talking about exorbitant figures that are well beyond kind of what – some of the people have predicted in, you know, maybe the 50 million range, the 55 million range, you know, all, all that kind of stuff per year. We're talking about way beyond that now. And while we're saying, you know, the Bengals are working on trying to keep Higgins and Chase, when you're talking about average annual value going up, potentially upwards of 10 million or so more a year than maybe what we're thinking or predicting at this point in time. Now you're having a different conversation, maybe about keeping the, the band together. Right. Um, and, and so that may become more difficult. That being said, again, you do the deal. You make the deal. It's the most important position on your team, especially when you have the dude, the guy. You got to, you got to pay. You got to do it. But when you're ta- when we're talking, I, I just throw that out there. When we're talking about uh, an AAV well beyond what we're predicting at this point, then all of a sudden you're talking about well, maybe maybe it's Logan Wilson that doesn't get the deal. Maybe it's you know one of the receivers that doesn't get the deal. Who knows? But. Um, maybe they still find a way to do it. I mean, I, I, and I'll, I'll have egg on my face about it. But, uh, I mean, I think they are still going to work to get all of those deals done. Um, I just think it presents a different conversation where we're talking about much higher numbers per year than what we've been kind of kicking around or what we're thinking about at this point in time. Yeah, and, and the whole argument with length is that the longer the deal is, the further down you can push the money that matters, right? Yeah, Yeah. of course. So like a a $60 million per year deal, like that will probably feature like year six and year seven uh, salaries of like, you know, 80 to 90 million at that point, which percentage of the cap at that point might be around the same what it is with like 40 to 50 million right now. So I think the longer it is, 
the more likely you can keep the, the band together, which is why I think people want that length. I'm just saying that, that, that the concession to that might just be they just might screw up the market for everyone else, which may not be a bad thing if you're talking about you know other quarterback deals down the road. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, those, we wanted to get to some headlines. We usually do a headline show throughout the week, and we just didn't really get around that where we whip around to different Bengals stories and stuff. So we did just a few of them, tied in the Dalvin Cook thing with Joe Mixon and all kinds of different topics here. So we're going to get to your questions here. Again, call text 949-542-6241. Email theobinsider at gmail.com. Leave a question in the live chats, be it our YouTube channel, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, or tweet one of us. And we will check it out. Uh, obviously, the YouTube Super Chats take precedent. And those dollars will be donated to Orlando Brown's Endeavor with Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And we'll share the GoFundMe page with you on that once again uh, before we, we take off the air. If I forget, guys, remind me, please. Um, let's let's go. We got, a, we got a Super Chat right away. What a great question here from Stuart Monty. Uh, we see him quite often in... Uh, in, in the live chats here. Thanks for a great show. Thanks for a great compliment, Stu. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm curious what you think the tone is of the offseason. I'm specifically thinking about contracts and team dynamics. I'm not in that locker room on a daily basis. I'm not in the heads of those people on a daily basis. My, uh, and I, I guess I kind of mean this in a, as positive as possible. I think this, I think this offseason, if there was to be the old Marvin Lewis slogan shirts or anything, you know, get it done. I, I think it's get it done. Get the deals done. Get the championship done. Get the players you need. Get it done. And I think this is – I think the Bengals, unfortunately, with how the Chiefs' loss played out and all of the, the chatter that they received after that loss, I think they learned a hard lesson. You know, they were having a ton of fun. They were rattling off a ton of wins in a row, big wins in the postseason at the end of the year. And they were feeling confident. And with confidence, sometimes comes this exuberance and playfulness and all this kind of stuff because you're confident in yourself. And they lost a tough one. Uh, they came back. They fought hard. They lost a tough one. And they heard about it. And they continue to hear about it. You know, the jabroni talk from Kelsey and the mayor going out there and all kinds of stuff. And now this, I feel like it's a little bit more business-like um, and it's a little bit more let's get this thing done because now it was cute that we were the dar darlings in 21 where we kind of for a lot of people snuck up on people came out of nowhere we arrived early that sort of thing last year was a little bit more expected 
And now it's kind of like, well, the rookie year, the rookie deals are expiring. We still don't have a Lombardi, even though we've been really close the last two years. Let's get it done. That's kind of my thinking about that. I don't know. What do you think, John? I, I, I'm curious about the urgency, I think, just because they've played over 40 games, I think, in the past yeah. two years. It, it's been a long two-year run. And I remember watching the Tom Brady documentary that came out a couple years ago. And he was, he was talking about, like, after that third or second Super Bowl trip and victory, like, it kind of all, it didn't necessarily fall apart, but it was, like, it was just, it was just a lot to deal with, like, going to those long postseason runs and back-to-back-to-back years, and it takes a toll on you. And I don't think any of us think that the window is closing anytime soon, but, like, th- this year feels like it's the, it's the third year of this core, and things are, are going to change after this year. And I wonder if there's a little bit more urgency to just make sure that you start strong out the gate and not have these sluggish, you know, week one and week two performances like they've had in the past couple of years. So I wonder if that is, is palpable when you feel it in training camp. And when it comes to the contracts and the team dynamics, I agree. It, it's, it's, I think the team is in a place and a good headspace with all that stuff because ultimately it does matter. But I, I think their priorities are in a good place, which is focusing on getting ready and letting all that stuff play out when it plays out. Yeah, I think that I, I don't know if the contracts are really a, a concern for, for the team. I, I think everyone knows it, it, it's going to get done. At least the borough one's going to get done. But I do think that they're even though the window is going to be open, you know, you're going to have Joe Burrow for multiple years. You're going to have hopefully Chase for multiple years and hopefully Higgins and stuff like that. This is the last year that you're going to have the core of this team on offense and defense together. I mean, Tyler Boyd's probably gone after this year. You know, if if they can't get extensions done with Higgins and with uh, with Logan Wilson, you only have one um, franchise tag to use. So one of those guys is probably gone. And, you know, you might lose DJ Reader. You might lose multiple guys. So this the core of the team that got them the two back to back AFC championship games is this is it for them. You know, it's like their senior year. So the time to do it is now Um, not to say that they won't have success in the postseason in 2025 or 2026, because I think they will. But I think that there has to be a sense of urgency uh, this year. 2023 is is our year. I want to throw a question back out on, on top of all of this to you guys. Because, um, John, you, you bring up a good point about the, the amount of games. And on top of that, because they weren't the top seed and, you know, they didn't have buys, not only that, but they also were on the road. Um, you know, in that, in 21, they had one home game. I think this last one, what they had one home game as well. And so it was four, you know, two home games, uh, two home postseason games, and essentially four, uh, maybe five if you got the Super Bowl road, you know, playoff games, right? Or a postseason game. So, I mean, that, that takes a toll. The travel and all of that as well takes a toll. So, I want my question is to you guys is this year, I, I always teeter on the buy thing. Because when a team comes out of a bye, you know, the bye week in postseason, they come out and they're like flat or whatever. Then obviously it's like, well, it didn't do them any good. They, were, they won a bunch of games in a row. And, you know, the Bengals got hot last year. Uh, they won a bunch in a row. So I don't know how a bye would have helped them. But also when you do have that bye and you've had the injuries and stuff, I don't know. Is this the year where you're like, man, it's critical that they get that bye? Or is it just keep just keep rolling through and ride the momentum? It's definitely a goal, I think. Like at the very least, the two seed is that almost – confirms that you're going to get a second home game which again like they haven't had two playoff home games in, in either of these playoff runs so like they were they were right there to be either the two or the one seed and then you know tragedy struck on monday night football and it just right. changed the whole dynamic of everything so i i think that's in their minds for sure like they they i think embrace you know being on the road in the playoffs considering they've had so much success with it but they they know that they're a different team at home and obviously it's it's a huge advantage when, when january comes yeah, I'd love to see. I mean, obviously, I want to see them win the division and and have a home wild card game. But if I could see a first round bye with a, I mean, just the potential of having an AFC Championship game in Cincinnati would be incredible. Uh, you know, I'd love to see it, and I think you know that that's a goal. But I, you know, just take it one week at a time. But I, uh, yeah, having multiple playoff games would be a nice change of pace to have multiple playoff games in Cincinnati this year versus having to go someone else's hostile stadium and win there. Stewart's 
keeping up with the generosity. So we're going to keep riding this. Uh, like I said, the, the super chats are getting precedent. We have a couple of others that we want to get to and keep feeding us your questions. We'll be here just a little while longer. But Stuart, again, which player would you like to most uh, like to meet at a bar and have a drink with? I assume a Bengals player, not just a player around the league. Um, man, that is a, a really, really good question. Thankfully, you know, John and I and Jason, I know you spoke with uh, – um, you know, Mohamed Sanu recently and a couple of other players uh, too. John and I have spoken, you know, via the, via this stuff. And we've had a lot of great impressions. Orlando Brown seems like he's a hell of a nice guy. Um, you know, T Higgins seems like a really awesome guy too. Um, from when we talked to him, I would say though, the guy who seems, if we're talking about sit at a bar, talk football, have a drink, drinks multiple, I, I still, I'm kind of leaning Ted Karras. Um, I, and I know, I know our guy Drew Garrison spoke to him and he's, he, but he just seems like a, just a fun dude. Um, and that, that just to me seems like that's the guy that I would want to plant my butt on a, on a bar stool and <laughs> talk ball and have a beer with. You stole my guy. I was going to say <laughs> Ted Karras, but yeah, I just, that's why I, I go first, Jason. So yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but yeah, watching, just watching him play, but watching, you know, personality. I remember when he was first signed, he did this big YouTube video thing with, with the Bengals, about skyline chili and like trying it and then like chanting who day and just he just seems like an awesome fun dude to hang out with if i had to pick someone else because you took ted karras <laughs> um i don't know if i could handle sitting at a bar and hanging out with joe burrow i think that i i it might be one of those things where i'm too starstruck to, to speak you know what i mean I remember I used to work downtown since I was a bouncer at Cadillac Ranch, which is no longer there. And we hosted oh there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I got out of the military, I, I was a bouncer down there. But uh, we we had their we had their post preseason party. The Bengals did. And Carson Palmer, all those guys came in and they just hired the bounce staff just to keep everyone else away from them. the whole bar was shut down. They just wanted photographers and fans to stay away. And I remember Carson Palmer like walking by me. And first I was struck by how big, because I'm a big guy. I'm 6'5". He's you know, a big dude. Yeah, he's, he's a big, big guy. Dude. But I remember he said hi to me. And I didn't say hi back. I just looked at him. And he was like, okay. And walked right past me. And I'll never forget that. I, I'm pretty sure that's how I would be with Joe. He'd be like, hey, Jason, how you doing? I'm like, and then that's it. So you, you know, um, you know, you know, Carson's in Idaho stewing about the the time that the bouncer snubbed. Yeah, him. I know. <laughs> I'm sure he's never forgotten about the bouncer who didn't say hi back. <laughs> I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Burrow has said that he doesn't drink, and he just I seems very introverted. Anyways, yeah. like him and Sam Hubbard, I feel like if 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 we're if we're all three hanging out at a bar, I might be carrying the conversation. They might be just looking at their phones, like on the weather app, wanting to go home or something yeah. like that. So <laughs> me, me, and Mike Hilton, we're gonna go clubbing. I think his energy yeah, is just is great. Go. Like I would love just have an emphatic conversation about just anything, and there's a reason why he's doing so well with Kelsey Conway on the. Uh, uh, Bengals beat podcast he's he's a phenomenal guy with the mic in his hand and also he's only five nine so like we're on the dance floor like he doesn't look necessarily like a like a like oh like that guy's for sure a football player right like we're the same height you know like we'll we'll, we'll match in together I think it'll be great like you know that. I yeah. I think another one would be the combination of DJ Reader and BJ Hill because they just seem Ooh, to have fun together yeah. I'd love to just hang out with the two of them and just watch them yeah. interact with each other. no one's touching me at the bar at all like no no no, no. <laughs> you're safe you're gonna be, you're, you're, you're gonna be <laughs> you're Mr. Safe. Tough Guy all night with hanging out with those two guys for sure yeah, yeah. no one's no one's screwing with you there not to keep talking about the bar but Justin Smith used to come in uh with that, that makes sense John Thornton and I just remember thinking the first time I saw him at the bar, thinking like, I hope they don't start anything because I will not go in there and break up that fight. It's not going to happen. I'll sit there and watch them beat up everyone in the bar because I'm not going to help. That's that's hilarious. That's hilarious. I've I've heard some funny stories about Justin Smith, um, like at the Pro Bowl and stuff, bringing in yeah. blocks of uh, the thirty the thirty blocks of of beers through the hotel yep. and all kinds of stuff in Hawaii. It's uh, I, I don't I don't know how true some of that stuff is, but. That's what I've heard. Uh, I'm going to get uh, let you guys actually pick, pick one in just a second, but I did get, or we did get one from uh, in our email here. Um, and oh, Lordy, uh, this was a headline, I guess, that we should have talked about. This is from Daniel, um, who emailed us a, a little while ago. Do you think Cincinnati should trade for Chase Young? Uh, there was a proposal out there. It looks like Washington is poised to move on from Chase Young. I believe he's. They did not pick up his fifth-year option, and he is um, 
you know, in his in the last year of his contract here, had some injury issues. Was it was great as a rookie? Um, I don't even like to think about the Washington game in 2020 when he was a rookie and Joe Burrow was a rookie because we all know what happened there. But now I, I I see this and I go, the Bengals just used a first round pick on a defensive lineman, defensive end. I don't see the need at this point unless it's basically a fire sale type of deal where they're just willing to not really take much to unload a player like that. And it's a completely low risk, potentially high reward type of situation. I mean, you know, the talent is there with Chase Young when he is healthy. I just don't see the need right now, particularly if the asking price is high. Yeah. If, if it's, if it's like a first round pick or even a day two pick, I I'm probably just with you have, you have uh, a Murphy, you know, you have Sam Hubbard, you have Trey Hendrickson. I don't, I think, you can never have too many pass rushers, but if the if the asking price is too high, I wouldn't be interested. So, here's the scenario: if if everything goes according to plan, and you have not one, not two, but three guys at right tackle who you would feel comfortable with, which I don't think yeah. is likely at this point. But if that does happen, if Lel miraculously is 100, percent he's ready to take on contact in August. Jackson Carmen looks like he's completely transformed his body, and all the hype is real. And Jonah Williams looks pretty good and you can't decide and Washington needs a tackle and you can trade one for one straight up. Oh, I would consider yeah. it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But if they're but looking that for, scenario. right. Yeah. In that scenario, I'd take it and would be happy about it. But if they, if they say, well, we want Jonah and your second round pick and no, thanks. We're nah. good. So. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it, that's a good point about the right tackle, but there's still just questions that are completely not, you know, not completely answered there, right? I mean, in terms of the health of Lael, when's he going to be ready? I, we saw, we had a question in here about, you know, is Lael going to be, I, we had a text, I think it was from Dan in Tennessee saying, you know, what's uh, what's the deal with Lael? He was working out, is he going to be ready? I mean, I still think that's a pup situation more than likely. Um, and then of course, you know, Jonah had the, the two dislocated knees and uh, the other stuff going on with him. And then, you know, you got caught. I mean, it's just, there's a lot there, but if if it plays out the way you said, John, where there's like, well, now there's almost too many good options to tackle here. We need to figure this out, and this opportunity presents itself, and the more that Chase Young lingers out there as a potential trade target, that value just you know continues to diminish in terms of what they can receive. Maybe then that makes sense. So that's good. That's a good point. Um, yes, John does have his Barry White voice going on here. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish I could say that this broadcast is brought to you by halls or ludens or something uh but we don't not sponsor there you go <laughs> i almost didn't say ludens and you had them right there you had them right there that's awesome uh you guys see a couple that you want to get to here in the live chats or did someone tweet at you yes or go ahead john if you had one. Oh, i was i saw a question from matthew believe i believe is how you pronounce his name yeah but he was asking about jordan battle uh cracking the starting lineup this year and if he, if that doesn't happen, he's he's feeling like that the Bengals should have taken like DeWan Jones or stayed put and taken on Washington, which was a conversation back in April when the draft was happening. But I don't know, man. I feel like the the fact that we didn't see Dax Hill kind of rotated in and out at safety last year when that was a potential when that was a potential thing that could have happened. I think it kind of tells you like what Lunar wants with the safeties and he wants continuity there. And now that you have two new starters instead of just one new starter i think it's a fluid situation and i think battle only sees the field if he's if you know that you can't keep him off it and i don't know if you've really felt that with dax hill last year but i don't know like i feel like battle's gonna get some playing time but i don't think he's gonna start and it's just just because of how last year played out with the fact that you have a first round backup behind bing bell and he didn't see the field at all until in emergency situations it it just seems very unpredictable right now yeah, I don't. I don't think we have any idea what we're going to see out of the safeties. I mean, Dax Hill didn't really get any meaningful playing time. I don't. I, he's not a rookie because he's got a year of learning in a remote system, but he's kind of like a rookie. You know, we don't really know how he's going to play at free safety. And then you know, Nick Scott isn't in Lou Inter- He wasn't in in a remote system last year, but he's got the benefit of having. Uh, you know, he's got a. He's got a. I think he's got a full year kind of a starting at a, at a safety position. I know he's been in the league for 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 longer than that, but I think he's only really started for about a year. Um, I don't know. I, I could see battle rotating in and out, especially if Scott struggles, but I wouldn't expect him to start unless 
there's no other option. I think there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of rotation being done um, at those spots. We saw a lot of guys come come out here. Let, let me just tell you the the safety room here. Um, you've got uh, Michael Thomas, who I think they they resigned pretty early. Nick Scott, yep. Dax Hill, Larry Brooks, Jordan Battle, and a guy that we just haven't talked a lot about. And I guess I don't know if it's for good reason or there's just logical reasons why he's not talked about a, a lot is Tyson Anderson. Um, and so that's another guy with a huge athletic profile, a high yeah. athletic profile that we're not talking about a lot. So where's he going to be in the mix right now? I think to John's point, you're going to see, you know, it was just standard, right? It was Von Bell and Jesse Bates out there, like all the time you're going to mix in, you know, your Trey flowers in there as well, you know, depending on packages and different players that they kind of sprinkled in. Dax Hill a little bit last year, but not very much. So now I think this is going to be a little bit of maybe, I don't want to say trial by error, but I think there's going to be some some movement of players and there's going to be some mixing in and out. Um, I expect Battle to be on the field early. That doesn't necessarily mean I expect him to be the starter. I don't think he's going to supplant people, but I think I think these are guys that will, uh, you know, Battle maybe a little bit more of that in the box safety to help you out and run support and do some different things like Von Bell was able to do. And then, you know, Hill is a guy that you can, put in the slot potentially you can play him deep you know you can do a couple of different things with him and then you've got a couple of other intriguing guys as well Scott and Anderson namely being there that uh you know what what are we looking at with those guys so I I think there's going to be some rotation I think there's going to be you know three guys out there at one time maybe a different player spelling guys I don't know uh, I, I don't know that that the continuity that we've seen the last couple of years with those two guys is still is going to be the, the the case at least not early on until some things get figured out with these guys I like Tyson Anderson a lot. He's, he's a great athlete. Uh, I could see them using him in a situation where they say, hey, you know, you're going to be our tight end guy. You know, when, when we play teams like Kansas City with, with Kelsey, when we got Baltimore with Mark Andrews, you're, you know, Tyson Anderson, I could see having a role where he, you know, does a lot of tight end work. Um, but I, I mean, he was out all year. I think it was a hamstring injury that, that put him on IR for most of the year last year. I don't think he really ever played, but, uh, I do know he's insanely athletic. They drafted him in the fifth round out of Toledo uh, last year with hopes that he would do something. I don't know. We'll see what he does this year. Jason, did you um, did you see a couple or one? I did, yeah. Uh, the crown snap one, which rookie are you most excited to see on the field this year? And for me, that would be running back Chase Brown. I'm excited. Uh, I think that um, – Miles Murphy is going to be a rotational piece, probably unless Awuzie is not healthy. It's probably going to be the same thing for DJ Turner. Uh, I don't know what you know. I, we don't know what we're going to get out of battle. We don't know what we're going to get from anyone. But I could see. I think that that Chase Brown is going to come in and replace Pirine, which means I I could see him getting a lot of meaningful snaps, and I'm excited to see what he can do, uh, uh, do with the ball in his hands or do with without the ball. You know, do, if he can pass block a little bit or see if he, you know, he can help in the receiving game. It's good. I mean, it, it seems like the obvious choice because he's going to get opportunity. You know, he's needed and you know, his clear role right now. Whereas with Jordan battle, you don't know what that role is. Even if you feel confident that he can, he can produce as well. Um, I, I'm, I want to see when and where DJ Turner plays because I, I'm really excited just about his skill set as well. And the fact that, you know, cornerbacks typically develop well here Anyways, it, it seems like Owuzie is going to come back in time for week one. But also, as we've seen in recent years, cornerback depth has always been relied on here, specifically in this defense. And that's been one of the strengths. It's one of the reasons why it's held up as a top unit because whenever, whatever cornerback that you put out there, you know, God forbid it's not LaShawn Sims or anything, uh, the defense stays <laughs> afloat, right? And if they're able to get so much out of Eli Apple, now you have a guy in Turner who's just by far their best athlete in the secondary, in a secondary full of top-tier athletes, right? You have a guy in Turner who's just, he can run past any of them, and he can keep up with any receiver. I, I think he's going to look really good in training camp. Obviously, there's some warts, and, you know, there's there's a, an acclimation period with cornerbacks in general who are rookies, but I think he's really good, and I think it's going to be tough to keep him off the field should injuries come up, and he might be the first guy off the bench. LaShawn Sims reference. I got to tell yeah, you guys, sorry about on, that. A, on a fun, on a fun, well, I'll, I, I don't mean to be the one up guy, but uh, I may or may not one up you with this because I'm we're, we're working on a special video project for the for the YouTube channel here, 
And as I was doing some research, I went back and saw a game from 2019 and the name BW Webb came up uh, in uh, in coverage. And I was just like, oh, my, how things have uh, changed quite a bit in Cincinnati um, in that regard. I, I'm, I'm with you guys, but I'm also a little bit like Mike Brown. I love I love me some wide receivers. And I think those two guys, you know, John and I uh, uh, last week talked about Chuck Sizzle, Ch- uh, Charlie Jones, who it came into the Bengals in the fourth round. And I think special teams playing in the slot and be. Do you guys remember back in when when this renaissance of the Bengals, 03 through 05, the Bengals had about four or five wide receivers that were all contributing. I'm talking about down, you know, obviously Chad and Hoosh and Chris Henry, but you also had Kevin Walter, remember, a good player who ended up having a solid career with the Texans after the Bengals. And then, of course, you also had Kelly Washington on the team who was productive. The squirrel. As a rookie. The squirrel, baby, yeah. I, I mean, they had five receivers that they could trot out at any, any time and strike a play. Right. And obviously that had to do with good running back, great offensive line, good quarterback at the time, the whole the whole package, really. But I think we're kind of starting to see potentially a mold of that happening again. You have two now seemingly really good slot options. And oh, by the way, Trent Irwin had four touchdown catches last year. So you've got guys that can play in the slot that that can be lethal there. You bring in Yoshivas, who can stretch the field. Um, and then, of course, you got the big three. I mean, so. While the numbers may not be overly gaudy for the two wide receivers as rookies, I just think the threat of putting up points, and and we've talked about this, I know John and I have, where the Bengals in the postseason, their offense is stalled out sometimes. I mean, they're they're having trouble getting into the 30-point range regularly, wherein, you know, they're they're pretty explosive throughout the regular season. And, you know, against these top-tier teams, they're putting up 20, 24 points and settling for field goals instead of touchdowns. And I think that was a point of emphasis in, in these picks. So I, I think, you know, as potentially inju- injuries accumulate, but also hopefully they do not accumulate, like as was the case in, in 21, you can have this really good group of, of wide receivers out there that can really scare an opposing defense and bring differing sets of skills and different, you know, just a, a lot of different weapons out there. So those, those two guys, I mean, you could, you could flip a coin and give me one of them. I guess I'll go with, with Charlie Jones over, over Yeshivas because you would see foresee him potentially having a higher role earlier on. But uh, I think, you know, the Bengals have the potential to trot out five wide receivers that could be really, really lethal. Well, think about like what you just said uh, in the AFC Championship game when Tyler Boyd went out for the rest. Like they just couldn't move the ball consistently. They yep. couldn't run the ball. Period. Anyway, yep. but on top of that, you know, they at that point they just doubled Higgins and they doubled Chase, and then they just said you're going to have to use one of the Trents to beat us, and it just didn't work. But you know, if if in that case you have uh, Chuck Sizzle, maybe he gets that done for you. So yeah, and then another uh, wide receiver, Andre Caldwell. Oh yeah, he he produced yeah. really well. And he was a guy, he looked looked scared all the time, but uh, no, but he was, he was really, he was, he was good. He was one of my, one of my team favorites. Yeah. Uh, Man, he and uh, he and old Brian Leonard in 09. Oh man. Those guys just clutch play after clutch play. Um, What else we got guys? I think we're going to start getting out of here. Is there any else, anything else we want to get to before we hop out here? Oh, I have to read a question from our boy Terrell who couldn't call in today or he's trying to call in. But yeah, I think we missed about, it. We were we were chattering. Sorry about that. He, he was he was going to ask about training camp battles, and obviously there's one at right tackle that we're all aware of. But I think an underrated battle, guys, is going to be a defensive tackle, not starting. But you had basically no changes there from last year. You're expecting a lot from Zach Carter, who I think talked with uh, at least Jesse recently. Definitely check that out at all Bengals, but. I don't know. Like Zach Carter didn't really do much for me last year, and there was a lot of growth that he needs to take as a pass rusher, just expanding his pass rushing plan. But he's going to be counted on to be that extra guy in the middle, like true defensive tackle. Like they can slide Sam Hubbard and Miles Murphy inside all they want, but like last year was a weird transition year for him. He was building his body up to be a full time five technique, three technique, and he's going to be relied on more snaps, but. I, I, I'm curious what the rotation behind both Reader and BJ Hill looks like. J2 Fele, he's still here. He flashed at times last year. Josh Tupo's got one year left on his deal. So they have like four or five guys that are probably going to make the roster. I just don't know between like two Fele and Tupo who's going to be that main back behind Reader because I think Tufele showed a lot more than Tupo last year. And part of, the, part of that was because Tupo was injured. 
I've liked Josh Tupo for for a long time. I'm a big Jay Tufeli guy as well, but uh, I I agree with you, John. I think that's and and the fact that the Bengals did not get an, an additional you know pass rushing three tech. And I hate to sound like a broken record, and I've said it probably for the better part of a year now, but the Bengals need to have that B.J. Hill, Larry Ogunjobi formula that they had in 21. They need to figure that out. It doesn't have to be you know one guy along with it, it can be you know uh, by committee. You know, if it takes two, three guys, but they need to have guys or a guy behind those two guys that can spell snaps and can use those snaps in an effective way, getting after the quarterback, getting tackles for loss, that sort of thing. Tufeli may be be that answer. I mean, I, I like I like Josh Tupo and what he brings for the AFC North, and particularly when you're playing a team like the Ravens and, and all the different things that they do on offense. So I, I think there's value there, and he is absolutely just massive. Um, but I, I agree. They need to have someone on the interior that can provide some form of somewhat consistent pass rush ability because that's what Larry Ogunjobi gave you a couple years ago, and it has been missed ever since he he left that Raiders game. Yeah, I, I'd say if I was going to look at camp battles outside of the right tackle position, I, there's also some backup linebacker. You know, uh, they play the nickel – 90% of the time. So Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt are usually going to be in, but you know, they have Akeem Davis Gaither who's going to come in, but then you have guys like Marcus Bailey and Joe Bocci. And those are, you know, they've typically been like special teams guys and maybe they can carve out a larger role to spell uh, Logan Wilson or, or Jermaine Pratt every once in a while too. So. Yeah, I agree. And then of course, you know, you can look also at, at what's going on at running back and, and different spots too. You know, I mean, we, we, we just talked Chase Brown, but we also talked yesterday, Travion Williams, you know, what's, what, what's the snap distribution going to look like? How much are they going to cut into Joe Mixon because they trusted P Ryan so much last year and he cut in a decent amount to Mixon's touches as well as his, you know, the injury that he suffered. So a lot of stuff to sort out at running back too, but I think that's going to do it. We've gone uh, almost an hour. We got to a number of questions, a number of headlines. Thank you guys for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you all for your questions. Sorry if we did not get to yours, but always keep submitting and we try and get to as many as possible. Hence why we go a little longer on these shows, but uh, it's a ton of fun. I know it's a little slower part of the calendar right now, but I, I, I know, we appreciate you guys tuning in, whether it's live or after the fact. I, I, I'm going to give you guys a platform to say what you want on our way out because I, I am going to share. I'm going to pull it up and share. I remembered the Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, GoFundMe that we set up. So what do you guys got before we get out of here? Well, it's real quick. To, just to answer uh, Stuart Monty's uh, final question, what do you guys think the impact of Joe Burrow having a full off season? What do you think is the impact for the NFL? Watch out, NFL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, he uh, came in, uh, then they had the, you know, came back from injury, then they had COVID, then they had, or no, and then they had the appendectomy. I, this is his first full offseason. I, I think it's going to be a huge deal. So, um, oh, that was the, oh, yeah, that was Stewart, Mr. Generosity again. That was the one you said of Burrow. Yeah, look, look out. And let's just, you know, let's just hope that this is the reality. Yeah. It just remains a normal one. No more, God, I hope his tonsils don't flare up or some damn thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. let's, let's, let's keep this thing together. All right. Uh, here is the link to, I'll put this, the GoFundMe that we've created. We've already started to get a little bit of um, traction on it, which is awesome. And we've all already pooled both from the last time Orlando was on the show. And then we, we followed that up for a few episodes after that. And then we've kind of kicked it back up again. Um, so we've got a little bit of a pool from the, the podcast here to add to this, but here is the GoFundMe. I put the link in the live chat. And if you want to, if you did not do a super chat, that's fine. We're not judging you at all. <laughs> um, you can go directly to that link and support here. We've already got a couple hundred bucks in there, which is cool. Trying to get over a thousand, maybe even way. I, I, we, we set it at a thousand seventy five because his jersey number with Cincinnati is going to be seventy five. So um, trying to, uh, you know, make some sizable impact here. Thank him for not only coming on the show, but welcome him to Cincinnati and show that we are with him in supporting a charity that is near and dear to him. Obviously, um, as if, if you watched the video and, or saw the entire interview, he talked about how diabetes has directly affected his family. His, his brother is a type one diabetic. Obviously his father passed away from a diabetes related issue. So, um, want to help him out. Like we said, great guy. And, uh, we, we appreciate 
him coming on our show. We're stoked that he is in Cincinnati and can't be happier that he's picked such a great cause to help out. And that is Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Link is in the live chat. Go to the GoFundMe. It's also on an article on Cincy Jungle. It linked there. You can check it out. Appreciate the support, Jason. I know you uh, you added in there and then a couple of other folks as well have done so. And then, of course, we've grabbed some super chats that we will put in there. So appreciate it. Guys, have a good weekend. Hopefully you got some fun things planned and uh, keep your eyes peeled for a three and out episode coming out this weekend. And we'll bring you more stuff from the Orange and Black Insider, three and out, cincyjungle.com. Go check out A to Z sports.com. John Sheeran killing it over there with, with his articles and stuff. Go check that out. Take care, everybody. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you next time.